Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. This is episode 141. Guys, hope everybody's had a fantastic holiday season. You've been staying safe, staying inside. It's almost time to turn over a new leaf. Let's get 2020 over with. But before we do, I've got one last interview for you, and it's with my man, Charles Ford. Charles is a Chicago-based multimedia and lighting and stage design aficionado with over a decade of experience in the industry. I actually went out to his studio called View Show Design in Bolingbrook and walked into one of the most incredible podcast sets I've ever seen. It's not every day where I just get to walk in and everything's all set up for me. I had such a blast at View Show Design. In episode 141, we discussed Charles' early inspirations and influences. From a young age, Charles always loved stage design. He was involved with school theater and feels lucky to have discovered his passion so early on. It was incredible discussing his amazing career so far. Like I said, Charles has been in the game for quite some time, and he's toured worldwide with artists like Carly Rae Jepsen, Chris Brown, Panic at the Disco, and even Prince. Needless to say, he had some amazing stories to share. For those that didn't know, my major in college was actually design and production, so I have a very soft spot for what Charles does behind the scenes. And he's worn so many hats. Lighting design, stage design, video content director, and so much more. He gave us a behind the scenes understanding on how everyone plays an important role to make a live show the best it can possibly be. We also had a great discussion on the future of the industry from both sides, on stage and behind the scenes. Like so many others, Charles' schedules was flipped around, but he's confident creatives will come together more than ever to better the scene as a whole. And I want to take a second to acknowledge everyone that is behind the scenes at venues and concert halls all over the world. It's not just the artists coming up on the stage that makes the magic happen. There's so many people that help them out too. I also want to give a massive shout out to everybody at View Show Design. I had such a blast at their multimedia studio and I'm going to be doing some more things there in the future. Make sure you guys check them out at viewshowdesign.com. Without further ado, guys, let's get into this interview right now. This is episode 141 with Charles Ford. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very excited right now. We are at View Show Design right now. My man, Charles Ford. Charles, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I am excellent. I got to tell you, it feels, feels so good right now <laughs> to be here sitting with you or at your studio. You just opened up in August, right? Yeah, we just actually... We, we pretty much opened up middle of August. We built it out in two weeks, and we were up and running by the 15th. So I saw the yeah. pictures before and after. Unbelievable, guys. If you saw this in person, and quick plug, it is up and open. If uh, anyone wants to do any sort of live stream or interview, it's a fantastic place, but it's truly an honor to be here with you, man. Thanks, man. I'm glad um, you, We're here to talk about you, but before we get into your story, tell me more about where we're at right now uh, and what the inspiration was to start your own design studio. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I used to tour a lot, uh -huh. um, traveled, do, you know, used to do a lot of corporate shows, concerts, all different kinds of events. Mm -hmm. um, the moment that COVID happened, 
all of it just went away. Yep. And then streaming became supreme. And so instead of me just kind of waiting for touring and events to come back, I decided let's just make a place where people can actually still stream with production, with quality, with yeah. cameras, with, you know, give the live concert feel or live event feel, you know, um, giving them the flexibility to have like a more engaging, entertaining stream because we have multiple cameras here. We've got yeah. a uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I can't stop looking at myself in the camera, not because I got a haircut recently and it looks good, but also because it's just incredibly high quality, and that means so much to artists these days because there is that expectation to have not only a certain amount of product and quality and content, but to really actually take yourself seriously. So to be here with you today is just like, it's exciting, man, because like I said to you guys before air, what I went to college for was telecommunications design and That's production. Awesome. Gotcha. I'm like right back in college right now, That's man. Like this is so cool. That's awesome. I'm loving it. I mean, look at the smile. I can I, sometimes I smile subconsciously, but I know I'm smiling ear to ear right now. That's awesome. So, did you think about doing this before COVID? Like, were you already gonna have this space, or was it kind of like time is of the essence type thing? Absolutely, never thought of this at all. Yeah, uh, we're more of a creative slash like design group. Um, essentially like the most we would ever need is an office space. Mm -hmm. Now we have a warehouse. Uh, Seriously? Yeah. The ceilings out, are pretty high in here. High ceilings <laughs> and a big lighting rig. I would never think, uh, ever, but, uh, it was just the, the need for COVID. Um, we're seeing too that like, it's, we're not going to go straight back into concerts. Maybe not even this year. It's going to be more of a mix of hybrid slash maybe some small in person stuff. Yeah. Right. So streaming is going to stick around, um, Longer than I want it to, but yeah. I'm going to embrace it. So I agree. Um, yeah, <laughs> you have to. I was just talking to that uh, to to Matt and Juan before. I think it's been really, really cool to see how artists again have had to overcome through this time. Yeah, a lot of people have fallen out because maybe they weren't willing to do the right things in the first place. Mm -hmm. But it is a great way to connect with your fans. Yeah, exactly. If you think about it, you can share your music, share your performance, whatever it might be, yeah. your passion with more fans digitally than in person exactly so yeah. let's take advantage of it i mean exactly i guess covid has taught us a lot about life what's important <laughs> exactly the just crazy things that we never knew about but also the biggest thing i think what has united us all more than ever is that we've all been in the same boat for the first time ever yeah the music <laughs> industry as a whole right and, exactly and that's probably a whole other podcast but absolutely <laughs> you know i just i love i love asking people like you have been in the business for so long mm. and still look at it so optimistically though right yeah, I mean, if, if I don't, then uh, it's going to suck every day, you know? Because <laughs> it's pretty brutal. If you look at, you know, just the, the way that it was, you yeah. know, in March, and I'm making it sound like that was years ago. Feels, feels like, like it, it. yeah. <laughs> um, if you look at, um, you know, how it was in March, and you look at what's happened now, it, the music industry's been decimated. The yeah. live events, touring industry's been decimated. And it's pretty depressing if you expect it to go back to normal if to, to what it was it won't it's not and if you're stuck that way like i'm sorry but you've got to figure out something else because it's just yeah. not going to be for everybody yeah exactly. it's not just people on the stage no exactly i yeah. think that's something that a lot of people forget about mm -hmm. um you know i've been in the music industry for about six six years now and coming up in chicago um and just getting to know all the people who are behind mm -hmm. the scenes, right? People like you yeah. at mm -hmm. big venues, lighting, mm -hmm. designer, director, yeah. but also people that are the bartender or yeah, the security exactly. guard. Like yeah. this is this is what they love to do and that's just been totally stripped away. Exactly. And I think so many people underestimate how many people are really involved. Yeah, there was um it was a kind of a eye-opening moment for me, but I toured with Panic at the Disco maybe about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Um and somebody posted this thing and I was like, "Oh, look, uh, Panic at the Disco, just they picked one city out of the tour, out of the like 41 dates. Mm -hmm. And they said, um, essentially, there's up to 
I think it was five to 800 people that work a day on each one of these shows locally and on the tour. There were a hundred of us on the tour. There's a ton of people locally that put the show together. Like yeah. you said, security in the building, yeah. um, bartenders, yeah. janitors, like you know, traffic control. Like there's 500 people a day that are literally unemployed at each venue. Like that's you know one arena. The United Center has 500 people. Yep. Times how many arenas are there in the country? It's crazy. It's a it's a big issue. And again, that's it's not going to go back to that panic at the disco size tour for quite a while. So. I know. That's sad. That's really <laughs> yeah. interesting numbers though. You don't think yeah. about that. No, exactly. And I didn't even think about that because again, like I'm just a small like peon in you know in the big pool. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, I get off of my tour bus <laughs> and I go in the building and then there's a ton of people around me that I don't even really see that they exist because I don't even see their world and we're yeah. in the same place. So. It is so cool yeah. how you guys all come together to to make one incredible thing and we'll get into that. But before we go too deep into the process, mm-hmm. I want to know more about you. Where are you originally from? I am from Chicago. Um I grew up here until I was about 10, then I moved to Cincinnati. I am not from Cincinnati. Don't <laughs> I, I, I do not like that place. Okay. Um, but I went to high school there, and um, I ended up going to an art school that taught me, like, they got me into the lighting world for theater. So Cool. Yeah, yeah. What was the art school called? Uh, it's called the School for Creative and Performing Arts. Um, nice. It is, uh, they're pretty popular in the arts um, school world for, you know, having a really good program. Yeah. Um, it was on MTV. For a little while, for on a show called Taking the Stage. Oh, I remember that show. Did you? I think I watched like two. Of, it was the, my senior class was the the class. No that was, uh, way. Yeah, that was like the, the whole reality. But I, I think I watched two episodes. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> what happens. <laughs> that was definitely when I was going through the MTV VH1 phase. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's like all we wanted to watch. Yeah, exactly. I forgot Gosh, about that stuff. Those were the days. Anymore. <laughs> so, were was anybody in your family or any close friends into this sort of stuff, or where did the inspiration come it's from? It's really weird. Uh, nobody in my family at all. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to. I was a weirdo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Me too. <laughs> I used to like. When I was like four, I would like sketch out like stages. Like what? Yeah, it was okay. Weird. I used to like, and I would like take like, my, my VHS tapes, and I would like build like big concert like things. Like my mom saved. Did my you get some Lego men involved then too? No, like they literally like they used <laughs> to try to buy me all that stuff. My mom and dad they used to try to buy me toys, and I'd be like, no, I just I'll just take all the VHS tapes and I'll just <laughs> build stuff. I used to like take like playing cards and like stick them and like make them speakers. It was really dumb. <laughs> Not dumb, it's just weird. Yeah. I'm sure they loved me because, again, it was like, you know, I was a child that didn't need anything. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty easy. So, yeah, I guess Repurposing I tools. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I guess the interest just came from something I must have seen when I was a kid. I have no idea what it was, but. Like, some of your first memories are doing that. That's all I can remember. It's just doing the stuff. My mom was perplexed by it. My dad was perplexed by it. That's but really cool, they though. They supported me with it. So, so <clears throat> when you were in high school and then going into college at the school, was it immediately lighting design, or were you into just multimedia in general, or what was that sort of? Uh, it was mostly lighting. Um, I um, since the school was more theatrical, they kind of at the time at least they weren't really into many like multimedia stuff. It was mostly just lighting and the art of lighting uh, in okay. a theatrical way. Okay, and that's what kind of makes theatrical lighting a little bit different than you know like concert lighting. Is it, it's really just about the lighting. Theatrical is in theater, right? Like exactly. Plays yep. and musicals. Type exactly. Thing? Okay. So the school was based mostly around musicals, plays, drama, that sort of stuff. So I'm a musicals um, man myself. I really? love musicals. I will not admit how much I love musicals. I either, I, I will <laughs> admit it. Okay, if you want to admit it here with me, I love musicals. I love plays. It's the greatest thing. I believe. Real quick, side tangent. I believe it's the most difficult form of performance art because it's not a movie where you can do retakes exactly you have to know how to dance you have to have like a a character an attitude on stage right like there's something 
about it that you have to combine all of the different elements of performance arts. Yeah. And I think it's just so amazing. It is. It's awesome. It's, it's one of those things where, like you, like you said, you can't really relate it to any other form of art. It's, uh, it's a skill that, you know, it takes a long time to develop. And each actor, you know, they grow to a place where you're like, how do you know how to do that? So how do you remember all those lines like that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. And you do it every day. Like, every day. Sometimes every two day. times a day. I don't get it. <laughs> and you know what the coolest part about it is, too, is everybody hears about the, you know, the making it to the Broadway musicals, right? Yeah. Those people don't really even get paid that much once they make it there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Right? Yeah, and they exactly. work harder than everybody else. And that's another great example of how many people are involved behind the scenes exactly, there, yeah. too. They're there working with them, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just thought about that. Broadway's dark right now, too, so it's like... It is. It's yeah. very sad. Yeah. What, um, what was one of your first jobs that you had in lighting? Um, well, so in high school... They used to do these things called crew calls, where you were like kind of pretty much you had to stay after school, yeah, and light whatever thing they had, like, you know, <laughs> and some of the weirdest jobs too, like because it's such a, a big school, or it wasn't a big school, but there's so many kids that go there for lighting, they kind of make up some jobs, yeah, um, like because like, normally on a show that has a crew, like it costs money, school, yeah, you can just say I, I have 20 children, I can just toss them over there and do whatever. right, right, right. Um, my first job, I ran a fog machine underneath a stage. <laughs> For Seussical the Musical. Okay, Seussical. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's literally, it can be controlled by, like, the lighting console. Yeah. But, like, they were like, well, we've got four fog machines and 20 kids without anything to do. So I sat underneath Go ahead, the take stage. turns. <laughs> During Seussical the Musical, and I just pushed the green button on the fog machine to make the fog come out. Oh, that was my, my first gosh. Job. And I loved, that was the first time I got to work on a show, and I loved every moment of it. So that's kind of what, I guess that's what got me started, was, like, I love this feeling. Yeah. It's exhilarating. I'm Making fog. <laughs> it was all kind of just like a hobby up until then, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was, um, I think I got into the lighting program at the school, and that was within a month of, uh, you know, getting into the program. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is like what it's like to do a show, and it hasn't stopped since then. So. You think that was the moment when you realized, okay, like, I want to do this? Yeah, exactly. It was It was more to it. You know, we were at a professional theater. We were at, there's this theater in Cincinnati called the Tap Theater. Mm -hmm. um, and so we took the show out of the school and set it up, loaded it, got it built out there, um, we got to work with, like, the union crew there. So it was a lot to it. Where it's like, oh, this is, like, what it feels like to be professional. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Wow. That was the first one. <laughs> How old were you then? I was probably 12. Yeah. 12? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's actually pretty badass, honestly. <laughs> it's very random. It is. But also, at the same time, like, that's pretty special. I mean, to yeah. be that young and, and have that feeling. I feel like so many people, when it comes to passions, like, it is a hobby for so long until you realize it's a yeah. passion. So I that's think, cool yeah. you got that exposure at a young no, age. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's one of the things that, you know, I am so glad I got that opportunity. When, when it goes to the passion thing, it's like, look, I'm glad I got to learn that this is what I wanted to do at an early age. Oh, because absolutely. Because the fear of doing something I don't enjoy scares me. Because I don't even know. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm an awful person. If I don't care for something or I'm not into it, like, I just feel like I would be awful at it if I had to do it every day. I so, wish everybody was more like you, man. <laughs> no, I think I got lucky on that part. But that's, you know, one of the few things. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so 12 years old. Fast forward. First, I'm seeing really it becoming something legitimate to you is 2009, right? That's when things yeah, really kicked off. from high school, yep. Okay, mm -hmm. so 2009, I'm seeing you worked at the Madison Theater, the Carnegie Theater, and you even worked with Hot Chella Ray on the world tour. Yeah, um, that was my first, uh, well, the first artist I worked for, first band was uh, Mayday Parade. Met wow, nice. Yeah. That's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was honestly, it was all, the touring world was all new to me. I got a random phone call one day. I was actually working... Um, for a corporate production company, so mm -hmm. I was doing mostly stuff at convention centers, 
And then uh, I left them, got a random phone call one day to say, hey, do you want to go on tour with this band? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll figure it out. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know who Mayday Parade was at the time, but yep. I learned the music and went out with them. And those guys were awesome, super nice. Met one guy from there, uh, the guitar tech, a uh, really good friend of mine still to this day. His name's Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, recommended. He knew the Hot Shell Ray guys. He was working for them before, kind of before uh, Tonight Tonight came out. And uh, nice. He uh, ended up. They got to the point where they needed a lighting guy. So he was like, "Hey, do you want to go work for uh, Hot Shell Ray?" And I was like, "Sure, why not?" Yeah, and they kind of took off from there. Like, they blew up with that I was going to say, because when I saw that name, I was like, oh, wow, it's been so long. And yeah. that really was right before the bubble kind of popped. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So I got really fortunate with them. I got to go on my first world tour with them. Um, wow. Went to Brazil, Australia. And this is what year? 2000 and, was that 2000? That might have been 2011, I think. Yeah. I think it was 2011. Well, it's still pretty incredible. So you developed yeah. a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You were in their respect, so to speak, pretty yeah, early exactly, on as a yeah. talented guy that mm-hmm. they wanted to keep on board. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was fun. They were they were they're they're good people. It was a great time, and I think that just uh, finding that like camaraderie with those guys is like what you know made it work really well for all of us. We all just kind of yeah. stuck around and just had a good time traveling because it can get a little hectic and draining and a little bit annoying being with the same people for yeah. eleven months straight. But they were awesome. So. I've heard. Um, actually, I interviewed a friend who's a very talented saxophone player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he actually, I grew up with him, but he lives in Los Angeles now. And he told me something that I thought was so interesting mm-hmm. about bands touring together with certain people. Yeah. They would rather, as a group, and tell me if you think this is true, have someone who is, let's just call it like half as talented mm-hmm. as the most talented saxophone player in the yeah. world. And then get along with the group really well, mm-hmm. rather than have the world's best saxophone player on tour with yeah. them, who's just a dick. Pain, exactly, yeah. Is that, a, is that it's true? It's true, because you, it's, it's sustainability, you know? Like, you can't just deal with a dick every day. Like, that, like, right? You, you know, when you and work, they are yeah, out there, right? Exactly, a lot of them. They, yeah. they, they, they exist. <laughs> um, yeah, essentially, like, it's like, you know, you can't go home every day. Like, no. You, you're, you're on the tour bus, and then you go into the building and then you're you're around the same people constantly it's 24 yeah. hours of constantly be around the same people um so you have to be on tour with people that you enjoy because you can't escape them so um helps that you were talented though yeah yeah it, it's yeah talent is is great but like you know i think it's more like how much do you get along with everybody talent like it's like i guess yeah. that's kind of the answer i was looking for. yeah, yeah. Uh, do you see that happening a lot then where i mean obviously you had a lot of repeat customers let's call mm-hmm. them do you see that in other parts of the industry too, whether it's like a band that gets together or it could be like the AV guy or a lighting guy like yourself? Do people usually try and keep a team together as long as they can? Yeah, I, I see that a lot, especially with the touring stuff. They really try to keep the same group together because it's like, you know, if a tour finishes and they go back out, you know, on, on another album cycle eight months later, yeah, at least that group already knows what that artist likes. Or There's what, a process, know. right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of the artists I work for, we like – start with the same show file so it's like oh well they did this last time we're just gonna open up this file and i know how to use it Ugh. if they hired someone else like then they're gonna have to sit in rehearsals for another two weeks to there's figure a it comfortability out, so. factor yeah. about live performance that i think everybody wants right exactly Whether you're yeah. on stage uh, or not exactly exactly so it, you have to give because again i would never walk out there you'll never this is, <laughs> this is the most i'll do you'll never see to to imagine what what it takes to give me the confidence to walk out there yeah i'm gonna need to have a good you know support team crew you know management um, and probably a bunch of other stuff that I shouldn't have before I walk out there. But I, I'm not going to go it's out there. Two way street though, Charles, for real, man. <laughs> yeah. Because like, as someone who does go on stage, mm-hmm. like it's there's certainly just like 
something calming knowing that there's professionals helping me, whether it be yeah. like uh, a, a great venue that I love performing at is Concord Musical. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. The guys there have been there for so long. Exactly. And like every time I've gone to play, it's always the same guys yeah. that walk in, the stage manager, exactly, the equipment yeah. guys. They're like, uh-huh. hey, sure, you know, you want your mic like this? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah this course. is awesome. <laughs> I really awesome. feel like an artist when I go yeah, there. Yeah, you that's know what cool. I mean? Exactly, yeah. Cause <laughs> As opposed to... <laughs> You know, not not one specific, but a, a club or a bar is yeah. like, go ahead, get it done. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Obviously, I'm not like on stage, but I do take this stuff seriously. So it's yeah. it's cool to hear you say that, honestly. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so 20, 2009, 2010, 2011, you're picking it up. You're getting a lot of experience, obviously mm-hmm. learning a lot. You're on a world tour. 2013, I think you graduated, at least here in my eyes, of a lighting mm-hmm. designer. I mean... You're working with artists like Mary J. Blige, Carly Rae Jepsen, Hoodie Allen, and yeah. Prince. Yeah, yeah. That was a crazy year. Tell me about like that time where you were feeling confidence-wise, creativity-wise. Obviously, you're getting a ton of experience at this point. Yeah. Um, honestly, it felt really just... Uh, was it like moving fast? No, not really. It just yeah. felt like everything... Like At that time, there was nothing that made me... like. Um, like uh, insecure about my capabilities. Okay. Um, I felt pretty confident in like knowing that, look, I know how to program this thing. I know how to make this thing look this way. I know that I want the lighting to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that year was probably where I grew confident to know like, look, you, you know how to do this thing. You got yeah. it. Um, th- that like with all those, those artists that you, you just mentioned, yeah. I, I think that the most complex one would have been the Prince one. Yeah. And it wasn't because of, like my lack of being able to figure it out it was just it's a complex he's a complex artist for <laughs> i was so. gonna say yeah i feel like he can't be uh i guess i don't want to say a customer with him he's almost like he is a business no yeah he's definitely yeah, exactly exactly and honestly it was um for me i think I, I gained a lot a lot more confidence working with him because the way that like you know you, you mentioned like carly Rae Jepsen and yeah. Hoodie and those people are very linear <laughs> with their shows yeah you play a song and you know what song it's going to be. Right. And they play the next song, and it's the same way every night. Or right. sometimes they'll switch it up a little bit. Right. With Prince, it was, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, shit. You have no idea. And that's, that's what's really exciting about his shows, too. Is it's like, yeah. You know, you literally don't know what song's going to be first. And then... He doesn't tell you? No. He, it was, the set lists were jokes. It was like, <laughs> a, hey, here's the set list. Just kidding. Like, <laughs> there was a list of songs... That he probably didn't play half of them. Oh um, my gosh! He just because he's such a he was such a musical genius that he could just pull songs. <coughs> Sorry, you're good. He could just pull songs and say, "Hey band, play this song," and yeah. they would just play it randomly. Um, so his band toured with him then for years, then probably right. Um, yeah. So the the group that I did because I did two years with him, they were around for about three years. Okay. He would switch up bands um, every you know, not every album cycle, but every once in a while. He and he doesn't even need so. a band, does he? No, I mean there was times where literally it was just him and a piano and a keyboard. So, oh man! Yeah, he honestly he um, there were moments in show, in shows where he would you know he would tell me like Charles turn the lights off, and I'd have to turn the lights off because that means he's gonna go play an instrument that like you know he normally doesn't play. Sometimes he go play drums, sometimes he go play the bass. But <laughs> he don't want people to see it. Yeah. But he's the best at it. Like he's amazingly talented at God. playing pretty much any instrument I've seen him pick up. I've seen him play a saxophone before. Like, just, what? Yeah, the guy could play anything. So. That's yeah. unbelievable. He's exactly. It was. It was just. It, for me, it was cool to just watch the show. Sometimes, even though I'm supposed to do stuff, it was like I'm watching, just like craziness. This is amazing. So that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Where Where were some of the best shows? I guess Prince or you know Mary J. Blige. Any of those are ours. Is it like venue specific, city specific? Like the artist kills a show. Do you never really know when you're going to get an incredible night? I mean, 
you, you never really know, and I can't really remember the venues. I remember, like, weird. See, my memory's really weird sometimes. Like, <laughs> I okay. remember the bathroom of the venue before I remember the name of it. I'm like, yep, the bathroom there has, like, this weird tile, but I won't remember the name of the place. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know exactly what you mean, honestly. Yeah, it's yeah. so strange. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, I will say that one of the best um, – the best marriage. Oh, I remember that. The best Mary J. Blige show I saw or did with her was um, it was a casino in um, Connecticut. I can't remember the name of it. Nice. Um, but it was just she was in a beautiful theater and like she was like singing like no more drama and it was just she can really sing. She's really good. But yeah. It was just yeah, one yeah. of those things where it's like it was very intimate, but the show was just great. It wasn't anything elaborate on the production side. It was just really good. Um, Gosh. I'm trying to think the best Prince show or the shows in his. He would do shows in his um, in his house. Yeah. Where um, literally just you walk into this big empty room and he would just play music with his band, and like <sighs> they would invite me to come do lights there, but sometimes there weren't really lights in the room, so it was just <laughs> fun to just watch you sit in a dark room and there would be tw- tons of people just in the room and you just hear him play all night. It was, that, was, that stuff was really cool. So what a special artist. Yeah, yeah. That was in Minnesota. That was in Minnesota. Yep, at his place at um, um, Paisley Park. So, so you developed a relationship with him then? Yeah, I was around for two years, which um, is a very long time to work for Prince. Yeah, so, yeah. I, it's incredible, man. I <laughs> acknowledge you for that. And then we'll get back around to it, but you continue to work with them years later, right? Yeah, um, up pretty much up until a few months before he passed away. So, gosh, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Man. No, exactly. Same. Yeah, once, once like, in a generation type. I know. Artist. Who do we have next? That's gonna be that. That's what I'm I don't know. About. A lot of pressure, future <laughs> artists exactly, out there. Yeah. Please, we need he really was so unique in so many ways. Um, unbelievable, though, man. So 2016, you continue to kill it. And now we're really seeing you work with artists who are on the rise like crazy, right? Like mm-hmm. Chris Brown in 2016. Gotcha. Oh, I did that. That was 2016. Yeah, look at this guy. Yeah, Chris Brown, yeah. yeah. Prince Europe, is on your mind right now. The European tour. I remember that, yeah. Okay, I want to ask about that for <laughs> sure. CeeLo Green, Trey Songs, <laughs> Panic at the Disco, like you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, at this point in 2018, you'd been in the business for over a decade. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've really earned your stripes. Try to. When you're at that point and even now looking back, mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest things that you felt like you've grown as a person or as a professional quality wise, like experience wise? Do you ever just take a moment to say, okay, I'm a lot better at that now or yeah. I don't do that anymore? I think uh, all the technical stuff. I think that I was a yeah. really poor programmer. Again, programming the lights is how you make the lights, you know, flash the music. Right, right, right. Or, uh, you know, just programming all the video stuff. I, in that time period, I, um, I learned media servers, um, which is it's kind of how this graphics up here right now. Okay. But uh, um, media servers essentially can take video content and feed it to video walls and screens. Um, mm-hmm. And you can fire from the lighting console, essentially. Um, but I got really good at programming, like, multiple disciplines. So lasers, media servers, lighting, um, and then some automation stuff. So, again, program, programming all of that from the lighting console. I got really good at just, like, show control. Mm-hmm. Um, because before, I had no idea, like, what I was doing most of the time, honestly. <laughs> like, the lights would just flash around. But people, you know, I, there's a, it comes down to, like, creativity. You know what you want it to look like. Yeah. And you can make it look good. But the moment that you need to try to make it do that, uh, I wasn't good at that when I was, you know, much younger. But you had a method yeah. to your madness. Though. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. I would turn the lights on and they could be on, but they couldn't do much more than that. But <laughs> now, like, I knew, I knew all that. You know, I, I grew all the technical ability to say, "Hey, I want these lights to do this at the same time." Did you have any mentors along the way? Um, yeah. So I used to work for a company called DK Production Design. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner I met when I was probably in the tenth grade. Okay. Um, 
he actually toured with Chris Brown when Chris Brown was, you know, blowing up way early. Yeah, like the um, run-it days. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He was with them then. Um, and he, he did a bunch of artists. But anyways, he um, needed, like, an assistant for a show that he was doing in town in Cincinnati. And um, I met him then, and I uh, kind of just, like, idolized the guy. I thought he was amazing. Yeah, so, sure. Um, he ended up hiring me years later to work for his company. Oh, man. But, uh, he's been around, you know, throughout the years that, you know, I was able to learn a bunch from. And then also my... Um, my lighting uh, teacher in high school, uh, Jeff knew me and him are still great friends to this day. Um, he taught me That's just, great. He taught me a ton of stuff, and mostly it was just more of just like stuff to just be a decent person. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really uh, respect this, the lessons of one of his one of the main lessons I think I picked up from him was um, there's a million ways to do one thing. Mm-hmm. Your way isn't always the best way. Just know that you have your way. Yeah. Um, I think that that helped me. Yeah, that's important. Approach things in a much more like, hey, look, like. You're not going to be right all the time. You don't want to be right all the time. It's probably really yeah. easy to get stressed out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, there's a million ways to put all this stuff together and yeah. listen to everybody's opinion and do what you think is good and listen to their stuff too. So That's a really interesting parallel to, honestly, music <laughs> production because I always say, like, people use different digital audio workspaces to create different types of music. But yeah. at the end of the day, we're all, we all are building a house with our toolbox, right? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. How you build your house and how I build my house is the same concept, right? Exactly. But it kind of works like that in lighting and design exactly, then too, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, there exactly because you're going to get to the same place anyways for the most part. Like, yeah. Yeah. But some people don't like how you, you know, use certain flooring in your house yeah, or exactly. I don't like the stairs like that. It's like, well, will you just let me do the finished product and then we can talk, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's interesting. Now, Charles, I want to ask when it comes to an international crowd, right? If you're doing a world tour, I think we know the U.S. is such a dominant market yeah. because there are so many people here, right? Mm-hmm. And there's just so many different cultures. Yeah. When you're doing a show in Chicago or you're doing a show in Europe, let's just use like Chris Brown for an example. Mm-hmm. Do you consider not only, and I have a few questions with this, do you consider not only the fact that the crowd's going to be different, the artist might perform differently? How do you work with the artist and their crew and their band or whatever it might be to mm-hmm. understand who your market is for that night? Gotcha. Um, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. Honestly, the only places you'll... <laughs> this might sound weird, but the only places you'll see like a different... Like you'll feel a difference in the crowd. And it's all for the better. Uh, but it's more like in Japan. Like in Japan, like they are... Um, they're super into the... Like you perform a song. You're singing. The people love it. They're into it. Yeah. The moment you stop singing, they're silent. <laughs> <laughs> so like, in some shows, That's you have crazy. To, it's 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 an it's their culture, scene. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because they're so polite and pleasant. Yes, and they're just like, well, it's dead silent in the middle of the song. <laughs> so some artists, you have to kind of like tell them, hey, you know, like keep talking, keep going, keep yeah. talking, just get used to it. There's people out there still, I promise you. Wow. <laughs> but then the songs pick up, and then they're back into it. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. <laughs> it's 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 so cool to see it. So. Um, but, like, there's there's shows where, you know, like, bigger festivals sometimes, like, especially in Europe, sometimes people yeah. are really into it. There's things you can do, like, in those, you know, in those bigger shows where, like, you know, maybe you'll add some sort of confetti thing or fire or yeah. something like that to get people, like, you know, really into it. Um, I love that. But, yeah, honestly, most of the crowds are, you know, pretty similar until you go to Japan and you're like, whoa, this is different. <laughs> That's that's really yeah. interesting. I didn't yeah. even think about that. No, it's it's one of the, the it was one of the weirdest moments in my life. Like the first time I went over there and like <laughs> the song stuff. I'm like, there's some people here. Did the equipment, yeah. the equipment, what exactly. Is everything okay? Did the audience mute themselves? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> uh, on top of that, so a question about equipment internationally. Like, if I'm a DJ touring around the world, there's a standard, right? Is there a standard plug and play for lighting, or do you have to kind of 
work um, against the odds in other parts of the world? So lighting is so essentially when we design a tour, um, we're able to say, hey, look, here's the design of the tour. And it's you know uh, we can take that plot, send it off to the people in other countries to say, hey, try to replicate this as much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, it's pretty straightforward. Like most lighting people understand. Like, okay. Hey, there's we we, we kind of break lights out into you know just different styles and groups or whatever. We're pretty flexible on what we'll be able to accept. Right. Um, the way the lighting talks, it's pretty straightforward. You can't really um, like, well, it's not straightforward, but it's more, it's, it's been systemized across the world, essentially. Okay, so um, there is a standard then. So exactly, there's a standard, and most of the time it's, it's pretty much uh, hit. There are some places that you can go to, like there's a few countries, like third world countries, where it might be a little tough to get. Sure. Um, you know, your package put together, but essentially you'll get there. Because um, sometimes they just don't own, you know, a 10,000 light. They might own a $5,000 light. And it's up to me as a designer to yeah. know, like, I can't, I can't dictate that. Like, no, not of gonna course. Spend a, Ten thousand dollars. You don't have any purpose for that light, you know. Yeah, and I bet um, like I was gonna say, if you're going on a world tour, right? Sometimes world tours involve a festival stop. Yeah, exactly. How does that work with trying to collaborate with them versus uh, a venue? That's the as a lighting person, that's the worst scenario to be in usually. Mm-hmm, I thought um, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, especially if you're not like the headliner. Um, if you're pr- anybody that's not the headliner, you get the worst scenario because the headliner yeah. gets to come in the night before. They get to program overnight, so they can get okay. they can patch into that lighting system. They can get their looks up. They can, you know, just run through the show and check everything. Mm-hmm. As a support act for a festival, you get the daytime. Maybe <laughs> in the morning, you might get an hour. Yeah, that's To, shit. like, take your hour-long show and all your, you know, months and months of tweaking and programming into it. And there's ways to speed it up, but it's just n- nobody's ever happy. Nobody's ever happy in that situation. Yeah. Um, there are, there's these systems called previs systems where you can pre-visualize it on a computer. You can look okay. and get close. It doesn't matter. Like, it's never going to be the same, and we all hate it, so. Gosh. Yeah. So how does it work kind of like um, an example I always think of when I think about lighting? Um, you know, the, one of the most famous DJs in the world is Martin Garrix, right? Mm-hmm. And he yep. was on a world tour and stopped in Coachella as, like, the last stop. And I remember seeing this lighting, his lighting guy come mm-hmm. in, and it was, like, a big moment for him because it was, like, obviously Coachella and everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what about that sort of gear? If I'm like a live lighting guy, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like maybe not so much of it is programmed yeah, because uh-huh. I do have to react to what's exactly. going on. Uh-huh. Do you, how do you train yourself on different sorts of equipment? Like if it's Coachella or it's, you know, like a smaller festival, mm-hmm. it's going to be different types of equipment. Yeah. Well, sort of like essentially the, the lighting is mostly different. The control surface is much the same. Oh so, really? Okay. Yeah. So I use MA, um, and most lighting, uh, like, Programmers for festivals will use MA. Okay. Uh, there's very few people that use a software called Hog. Uh, hog. I used, to, I used to be a hog. Yeah, the names are weird. <laughs> hog. Gra- so, yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> so it's Grandma, which is the name of, that's what I say MA. So, okay. Uh, and then there's Hog. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of just weird, we're weirdos. Like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the, the dominant factor of the two worlds. Of, yeah. like Hog and MA. Um, but most festivals will have MA on site. So as long as you're in the same um, version, you're fine. So, you can go anywhere gotcha. in the world and run a festival with your file. So so it's complicated, but not as complicated as I'm making it out to be in my head. No, I mean, it's it's still complicated. And, I, I, you know, I've only in the last, you know, five or six years fully figured it out. Yeah. So it's, and it's constantly changing, too. So um, there's a new MA that came out now, MA3. I don't even know how to turn the thing on. <laughs> but it's from MA2. But in theory, like, it should be similar. But they've changed everything. And I'm afraid to look at it. But, yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, so. <laughs> now, are there pioneers in the industry or big inspirations for you that are either known or unknown and who they worked with? Yeah. So um, I'd say probably the 
few of the pioneers, or one of the pioneers that I can think of right now, uh, Leroy Bennett. He's been around since he started with Prince when Prince started. Okay. And so that's how he was able to, you know, that's awesome. Learn that crazy world of like going from like a club artist to just a stadium artist. Yeah. In probably a few months. Um, but he's he's been very tasteful. He's still around to this day. Um, have you met him before? I have not met him before actually. Um, he's done stuff like The Weeknd. He's done oh, um, this, just pretty much any big artist you can imagine. He's done it. He's so, the go-to guy. Then he's the go-to guy. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but he's awesome. He's a truly talented guy, and he's you know he keeps up with technology and figures out new stuff. So that's yeah. awesome. That's why I kind of like look at him like, hey, he's a good example of someone to look up to because again, he's you know getting older in age, and he definitely um, keeps himself certainly know, informed. So yeah. how do you challenge yourself creatively then, as trying to maybe push the boundaries or just get better and better? YouTube um, University or you know like <laughs> what what do you do? Do you like set up the studio in different ways just to kind of think of new ideas i honestly i just try to do different projects so okay. um this yeah yeah i'm like this just random stuff like this yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or like um like I, I work with pop artists like carly ray jepson's one her shows are one style of thing and i like doing concerts yeah but i also like to do like right now i'm actually working on a project where we're taking a parking garage and we're making it like a drive-through experience oh where there's you know there's a bunch of lighting to make it you know look and feel different so that's, that's cool yeah it's i've never lit a parking lot before ever <laughs> um there's a lot of logistical challenges but i like to figure out that sort of stuff um i don't want to just stick to music i don't want to just stick to events i, I kind of want to do do random stuff so yeah um so yeah we're actually there's another project we're like trying to like light a park like a big park with a bunch of trees like that's another you know that's another you way to take a lot of lights. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> very random but it's taking the same exact tool set and just applying it differently. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of that's that's how I try to you know. Really cool. Yeah. So you go outside your comfort zone to a certain extent, but only mm -hmm. by challenging yourself with a new opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. Wow. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to go about it. And there's so many different types of things out there these days, creatively, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> wow. Okay, Charles. I see you, man. So you wear so many hats. You don't mm -hmm. just do lighting. You've done staging designs, video content creative, mm -hmm. uh, director, lighting director. Obviously, you started off with the fog machine guy. Yep. So that's your main passion. <laughs> that's my. That's you know. That's what you should hire me for. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about maybe a night where you had to do more than you anticipated, and how did you get through that? Um, like, can you wear all the hats? Can I? Is the question. That's <laughs> after a few of these events. Yeah. Can I? Yes. Should I? Probably not. Uh -huh. um, there was. I was doing some medical sales show once. And the director of the show essentially had me doing a lot of everything. Like, I was in charge of, like, there was these video walls that could move on and off stage. But, like, I was controlling those. I was controlling um, these, like, glow-up bracelets or whatever. Um, I was also cutting the cameras. All this was happening through the lighting console. But I had to do pretty much the whole show. Wow. And it was a giant show where there could have been other people that could have ran those other bits. Uh -huh. But that's just how that director wanted the show. It was quite overwhelming because, again, if one thing messes up, it's not his fault. It's my yeah, fault now. True. So feeling the pressure of that was a little frustrating because it was a big, it was a big event. Um, but yeah, it all went off without a hitch. But it was just after that, I was like, you know what? I know how to do this, but like that should have been offloaded to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, some of it, at least. <laughs> um, and then it was uh, another one of those moments was for some of Prince's stuff. Was I was a show caller also while also running the show and calling the show and doing all those. So I would have to, you know. Say, hey, we want special effects to happen now. We want this because I was the only person at the time that sure. knew the show as well, um, more than anybody else on the technical team. So um, from there, I, I kind of realized, like, look, you don't need to do one or the other. You're a lighting operator or you're the show caller. You can't do all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. So 
those are two pretty good moments of like, okay, Jeez. chill out, Charles. That's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, and that's, exactly. And talk about a new type of experience, too. We're talking about mostly concerts and tours here. That was yeah. a, like, conference. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Those people don't know anything about yeah. staging, so they probably exactly. think it's easy to do all no, that stuff, right? Like, oh, this is, yeah, you can just figure it out, Charles, you can just can't turn you? it on, turn it off, yeah, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's all it takes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so for those that don't know, how do you guys communicate backstage during a show? Um, what mm -hmm. sort of roles does each person play? You know, director obviously is calling all the shots, but mm -hmm. how does it work with uh, just communication-wise? Yeah, so essentially there's two different ways it can work. Sometimes we use radios. Sometimes we use this thing called clear comms or headsets where you can talk on them. Mm -hmm. um, there are people that, you know, in the lighting world, for example, I'll break it out. Is it like, yes, I am the director. I'll run the console. I'll call the follow spots. I'll call whatever visual parts of the show. Mm -hmm. um, then I'll have... I'll be in communication to people that are backstage that are on the lighting crew as well to just make sure that all the systems are working. If right. some light stops working, I can say, hey, reset this fixture for me mm -hmm. during the show. Um, and there's usually, like, the stage manager slash, like, production manager that says, hey, look, let's start the show. And they call it over the radio or the headset. And they're the ones that are pretty much on stage just making sure everything's moving around perfectly. Yeah. Um, there's backline guys that essentially make sure all the instruments are taken care of and all the artists are comfortable with whatever they have to play next. Um, wow. You know, guitar string pops. There's a guy that's ready to, you know, give you a new guitar. Or yeah, you said earlier know. a guy you were friends with, a, a guitar, uh, he, like, runs the guitars or something? What's, um, what was what was his title? Right right in the beginning, you were telling me about one of your friends who you're still friends with. Oh, Guitar Tech, yeah, yeah. Guitar it's Tech. Camera, yeah, exactly, yeah. They're so he's got... He just handles guitars. Just guitars. I mean, sometimes your guitars will have eight guitars that they play throughout the night. Yeah. Uh, and then their pedal boards, which I don't know how those things work anymore. They're not, <laughs> like, simple. Like, there's, you know, computerized ones now. Yeah. Um, yeah, their job is essentially to make sure that all that stuff's set up and working. And, if again, if anything happens throughout the show, they can yeah. quickly, you know, fix it. They can restring in, like, a second. Yeah. So if a string pops, they can pop another one in there really fast. Before wow. You know. As an art, or you know, as an audience member, you probably don't even know. No, like something went wrong, but he's the guy walking out, giving the guitar. Exactly. Like yep. Yeah. Or running out usually. Everybody loves that guy. Yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> loves that guy because you're like, fix okay, stuff. <laughs> exactly. That's so cool. Yeah. Drum techs. I don't really understand. They set up drums. You know, they you know <laughs> they do a lot. <laughs> Tune the drums, all that stuff. So yeah. yeah. Outside of lighting, which is your biggest passion, obviously, what is maybe your your second favorite thing to do behind the scenes? Um, just the creating process. I, I like to work with people to figure out like, hey, pre-production stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's putting the thing together, um, figuring out different ways to make things more cohesive sure. with whatever creative they may have. Like, yeah. I love that. Um, and that's what I've been doing a lot more lately is just like saying, hey, overall big picture, this is what we should try to do for this song, yeah, for of this course. moment or for this thing. So. Yeah, love that man. Exactly. That's so cool. I can just, I can just feel your your energy from how much you love what you do. Oh, yeah. I just I really respect that man. You don't get that in everything. It's obviously it goes beyond like just as a job for you. Yeah, ex it's definitely not. Been a, a passion yeah, for exactly. a long time. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I love it, man. <laughs> so obviously you've been in the business for a long time. You've mentioned a few different times how you've gotten used to changes in technology on a global mm -hmm. scale, on a local scale. What have been some of the coolest things, in your opinion, that have either maybe helped your job get easier or have helped the artist's performance? What have been some of the biggest advancements you've seen? Um, the use of automation. Yeah. Really <laughs> oh, my gosh. How do you use automation in shows? Um, so, essentially, we use what's called, like, time code. And essentially, um, you know, if an artist has, you know, tracks that are playing, because sometimes, like, you know, there's instruments that you cannot replicate on tour these days. Absolutely. Music has gotten so complex that, like, you don't, you can't have your keyboard playing <laughs> 20 synth parts anymore. Yep, yep. So the tracks just help them, you know, have extra sounds to make it sound fuller, you know? Yeah. Um, so in that, we were able to put in this little file called time code where it sends a clock to everything. And it says, hey, oh. 
the music's playing and this is happening right with it. So I can make all the lighting equipment, video equipment synchronized to that. Right. Um, so instead of me having to like flash the strobe button on this, you know, every time that somebody hits the snare, mm-hmm. it's already programmed. I don't have to sit and do it. Oh my gosh. A million times per what, song. When did that come, come into market then? That's actually honestly been around. Like they probably started using time code in the nineties, but yeah. it really started taking like precedence in the last, like probably 10 years or so. As an industry standard. Exactly. Just because it's so much easier to have a consistent show based yeah. on that. Ugh. Um, and consistency is important too. When again, they're having to do it every night. Yeah. You have to just kind of have the same show every night. It's only fair. So is there anything you can't automate? Um, it's really difficult to automate pyro. It's not that it's difficult. <laughs> it's just that like there's a lot yeah. of like watching that has to happen. So, yeah, it's fire. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's stuff that can blow up. <laughs> so there's like time code triggers that happen from it, but you're still the person that's saying, "Hey, like it's okay. Let that thing happen." Mm-hmm. There's something that can stop it all from happening. Okay. Gotcha. And then you can't time code like the person. Sometimes it's on stage. Sometimes you just want them to, you know, do their thing. Be time coded <laughs> so they can be consistent. But you know. Right. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I feel like Prince didn't have any time. Oh no, 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 no! Most artists I've worked for have never had that issue. But sometimes you see the shows and you're like, "Oh, this person's drunk and they just need to switch them to track or something." Oh <laughs> shit! Yeah. yeah, I feel like that probably happens a lot. Yeah, I've seen some weird festivals where it's like, "Wow, this is entertaining," not because of the music. <laughs> and you were affiliated to the artist, or you were just no, no, I was there? just watching. Just a couple times I've seen them. I'm like, "Wow!" I've I've been fortunate enough to not have to work with artists that have had some of those issues but yeah it happens. it's definitely a consistent thing <laughs> now when you go to like do you enjoy live shows like outside of working <laughs> really <laughs> no i mean like <laughs> i think the last concert i brought a ticket to mm-hmm. like like out of my own like desire to go was i think leon bridges it was great I, oh, okay I leon bridges is yeah. well deserved of that but that was like four years ago and that was like the <laughs> only concert i went to like in my own time um but no, amazing. I really just want to sit in choir, listen to podcasts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but you was, obviously do enjoy live shows. Yeah, I, I love like yeah. I love running them. I love working them. But honestly, I could just sit at home in quiet. Yeah. I don't have to be there. Do you have any guilty pleasures for music, though? Um, like, if you're like, oh, man, I'm obviously Prince again, of course. But, yeah. like, maybe you love CeeLo Green or something, right? No, yeah. I've, I've really been listening to Mute Math a lot lately. I don't know why. Mute Math and Michael McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. It's so random. Like, Let's go. Yeah, it's so random. You're a man who knows what he likes. <laughs> so weird, though. Like, <laughs> like, being one of the other guys that works here, we were like, just, yeah. I, I, I picked the music some days, and like, I forgot. Like, I punished him with Michael McDonald for like eight hours that day. I'm like, sorry, man. That reminds why. me of 40 year old virgin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just so random. You're the manager. That's yeah. hilarious. Exactly. I love that. You like what you like, man. <laughs> Um, so obviously we're we're here today um, at your studio. Like you mm-hmm. talked about earlier, the music industry is yeah. in a tough spot right now. Yep, performance <laughs> industry—it's bigger than that, right? It's like what we said. It's so yeah. much bigger than just artists can't perform. Exactly, exactly. What have you seen, for better or for worse, during this time mm-hmm. for artists and performance and just the music industry? And what do you expect is going to happen in the next year, maybe beyond? Um, I guess. What have I seen? I'm afraid of the fact that I haven't seen much. You know, people not doing too much right now. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid that it's become a little bit complicated on the, the side of the artist to go out and do a live stream sometimes. It's difficult. It's definitely difficult. There's, you know, stuff you have to worry about on their licensing side, uh, monetizing. Oh, my um, gosh. It yeah. is it is a hassle. It's, it's, it's a pain. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I feel like it's kind of being set up that way because they don't want 
like maybe this medium to take over live concerts? Well, it's the, the major labels. They make their yeah. money on their artists touring, exactly. right? Exactly. And I so mean, I think, yeah. <laughs> what, is, what is the, I, maybe you might know, I know obviously a huge amount of artist income mm-hmm. come from tours, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. It's got to be well over 50%. No, it's, it's, it's like 80% or something like that. It's, it's up there, and it's, it's, it's going to get, uh, I think that a few weird things might happen. I think that you know after a few more months of this, I think that some artists are going to need the money. Like They're going to need to go yep. do a live stream, so that might start to put a surge uh, into live streaming. Yeah. Um, and I, I do hope that maybe the, the labels and the management teams somehow make it a little bit easier for them to, yeah. you know. You can't live them. stream on Facebook. No, you yeah, can get exactly. taken down. Yeah, exactly. Instagram, yeah. very difficult. Exactly. And then Twitch has even now made a big shift to it, and they're like, just play your own music. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, I got like six songs, <laughs> exactly, you know, at this yeah. point. Like, there are so many artists out there that like, and I mean, of course, DJ culture. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. Uh-huh. It just doesn't make sense to me because we're not monetizing selling their song. And in, in just, my yeah. eyes as an artist, stealing it would be taking your song and removing the artist name. Yeah, exactly. And saying it's yours. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't make Levitating by DaBaby and no, exactly. Dua Lipa, man. You know <laughs> exactly, what I mean? Yeah. Just like, let me play the song. People know people, this, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, obviously, yeah. I get it. But it's just, I think that's been kind of on both sides of the coin for me, for better or mm-hmm. for worse. Is yeah. We are, artists are now challenged to maybe go back to the drawing board and think about their creativity. Because uh-huh. if they do want to live stream and not have to worry about that stuff, they're going to need to create more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I wonder what that does for the creative, and, and also I wonder what that does for the creativity going forward. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in fact, I saw early in the pandemic there were a few artists, and I can't think of her name, um, well, at least one of the names, but um, she did this really cool music video where she shot it by herself, mm-hmm. and it looked really good. She like did all the graphics to it, and all the editing, and it yeah. was really cool. She shot it on her phone. And she taught herself how to do it all like in that day of shooting yeah. it, and it was cool. So I thought that like. She wrote the song and she cut the music video. It was what she wanted, and it looked yeah. good. It was very different, but it looked really good and unique. Yeah, um, for sure. I can't think of her name, but I, I, I think that maybe that'll be something that comes from this, and more people will just take more control of their image. I think that some artists are kind of dictated by the creative direction that the label or you know yeah. group puts ahead of them. Totally. And now they're just at home doing what they want, and maybe they're recording at home, and maybe there's stuff that we haven't heard yet, but it's their stuff. And, I completely yeah. agree. I, I think there's yeah. a, there's a new like golden era of music coming i believe yeah i hope so like maybe we'll yeah. see a new prince here soon yeah I, let's, let's please we need it because <laughs> how many labels or how many artists and just in general right because like i said if 80 percent of your income comes from tours mm-hmm. that means that you're going to want to make music that people want to see live yeah exactly right exactly yeah but that's not all music yeah. like some of us like michael mcdonald exactly. you know what i mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. you don't need to go see michael mcdonald live to get the michael mcdonald no, exactly. experience yeah exactly but at the same time i've interviewed a ton of different producers this year mm-hmm. and asked them this similar question right gotcha like, uh-huh how has your process changed when you're in the creative process, knowing that your music may not get played live for another year? Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And a lot of them feel a lot less pressure. That's good. To yeah. not have to create songs that would do well live. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do well live or do well on radio, which is another wrench that's unfair, I feel like. So unfair. Yeah. It's like, let them create. Let them. And what, like, what would, like, you know, and again, maybe this is that moment we get in in our time to say, hey, this is what it feels like. This is what music is like that isn't forced, you know? Yep, Cause exactly. Because uh, it's frustrating when you hear the same song on the radio over and over again. It's not even the same. It's, you know, different artists, it sounds the same, but, you know. Dude, I <laughs> just listened to uh, Hot 96.3 on my way over, or B96, mm-hmm. sorry. Uh-huh. And uh, I heard two Ariana Grande songs and a Drake song and a baby <laughs> song, and I'm like, you're like, are there any other artists that exist in this world? Well, right? also, <laughs> and I'm like, what's the market out there right now? Is this p- what people want to listen to? 
that's where we are now. Where it's like it's not what people want to listen to. It's like, what are we gonna make them listen to? Like, you don't really have a say in it anymore. Like, yeah, they just play the same ten artists, and I, I you know, it's kind of frustrating. And it is frustrating. That's why I don't get to listen to music. I don't listen to the radio. I don't even know how to turn it on in my car. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's just gonna be the same song over and over again. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's it's monopolized industry. But I think that's gonna be the coolest part to come out of this is because, yeah. well, if you think about it negatively a lot of artists have had to either let go of management or let go of their labels mm-hmm. or vice versa yeah so now it's like back to the drawing board you know what yeah, i mean like exactly. i said so i think it's going to be like what you're inspired by like yeah. the pre-production aspect yeah everyone's like okay i get a chance to step back right now and think about how i want to present my brand knowing exactly. maybe if you've had success for a few years or even longer than that yeah there's so many artists these days i mean you look someone like as big as kanye west who is just telling people the truth about these major labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's things that we knew. It's like that Social Dilemma uh, yeah. documentary that yeah, came yeah. out. Uh-huh. It's things that we knew, but now that it's out, mm-hmm. we're thinking about life a lot differently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> so I, I've just, as much as I possibly can, been thinking about the benefits of mm-hmm. this pandemic. Yep. Obviously, it's a terrible, terrible thing, but you have to look at what is going to positively change in the future. Exactly. And I think you're right. I think the creativity, like, I, I know that my creativity has changed with this. I get to think about things a little bit harder. Yeah. I think about, like, ideas I have, you know, when things come back. Like, they're much more developed thoughts. Yeah. And I think it's going to be the same for, you know, musicians and artists. So that's a very, very positive place to be. So I love that, man. Yeah. How's this year been for you then? Uh, it's been crazy. <laughs> um, it's definitely been one of those years I never, like, I've never planned for anything like this before. I don't think any of, obviously, any of us <laughs> have planned for this. Um, but um, first off, I wasn't expecting it to last as long. Of course, all of us were thinking the same thing. Um, yeah. But I think like last year started off like a, as like a normal year for you know for me. Like I was on a tour with uh, Carly Rae Jepsen in Europe. Yeah. Um, we came back home in February. Um, then I designed this MasterChef tour. So did the rehearsals, got that built out. Nice. Sent it out. And then a week after that went out, we got a call saying, "Oh, that tour is not touring anymore. They're shutting everything down." They shut down every single event. I think that me and all my friends in the industry, we all, we all got phone calls that week saying, hey, look, your projects for the next six months, just they're gone. Or rescheduled to later in the year. Um, so I was home a lot. I've never been home as much ever. <laughs> as in, like, ever. Like, maybe, like, maybe in high school I was home this much. Yeah. Um, but I was home. I had to get used to being there, which was really weird for me. Like I, I never really watched TV, so I got into Netflix. There um, we go. It was... <laughs> I got, I, I'm frustrated by this. Tell me. Um, like, <laughs> the first thing I, like, turn, I turn the TV on, I'm like, oh, everybody's talking about Tiger King. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch oh, this. Oh, yeah. And then I didn't watch TV for, like, two months after I, I watched that because I'm like, is this seriously? <laughs> I didn't watch it. I, like, my pride was like, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird thing to happen to us. Like, why do we, why are we We were all there? brainwashed. Like, yeah, everybody exactly. watched that, yeah. Exactly. It was so weird. That's hilarious. Um, took a break of TV after yeah, that. He definitely took a, took a nice long break from TV after that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just been trying to figure out, like, this new time that I have. Um, I've been, um, you know, I've been on Reddit a lot lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of course. But yeah, I think that that's, like, the biggest change for me this year is just, like, the time. But also, yeah. um, oh, I, I got a dog, so that's been taking up a lot of Congratulations. Yeah. What sort of dog? Uh, his na- it's, a, it's a lab retriever. His okay. name is uh, Big Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. Big Steve is awesome. He's a puppy, but he's, he's super hyper. But uh, <laughs> that's been like a new thing that I've been trying to get used Good to. Good for you, man. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So all things considered, things are going well, though. Things are going well. Um, we st- again, we started this whole thing, so it's 
it's going well. It's a little bit slow, but we're figuring out what we're doing next. And every day it's something different. So mm-hmm. I, I am uh, excited about the fact that like the whole team has been able to say, hey, look, tomorrow we got to figure out how to do this thing that we've never done before. Let's figure it I out. I love so, that. Though, yeah. I really do love that. So it's it's been cool just to see everybody like you know come together and figure out this new weird stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. So so tell everyone what sort of events or productions we could put on here. Uh, anything. Um, I've been talking to people to do like some DJ battles. There's like a fashion show that we might do. Um, we're uh, in talk with just a bunch of artists to do like you know different performances. Um, you can do like like little seminars. Like I was even thinking like, like doing like a shoot of like oh say for example you're like a hairdresser. You can have like a hairdresser symposium here. You know yeah because we can set it up in different ways. The whole room can be you know fully flipped. So. Um, yeah, we're, do we're, anything here, really. Yeah, literally, yeah, anything you want, we'll figure it out. It'll be fun for us to and figure out. And you have so. connections for all different types of background lighting and, yeah, yeah, and exactly. LED screens, like exactly. Yep. So that's some of the concepts I'm presenting are you know a bunch of weird build outs, all lasers, all that sort of stuff. So like building out lasers, lighting, you know, lighting, video walls, all that stuff. Wow. So, yeah. You got my mind racing right oh, now. Oh yeah, man. Just anything. I've. If you have ideas, let me know. I'll write them down. Sketch them. How can people yourself. get in touch with you? Um, they can go to our website, um, viewshowdesign.com. Um, they can reach out there. You'll find all my information on there. So, yeah. This has been so cool. I mean, I want to acknowledge you one more time. I got to look over there because it looks so <laughs> clean. It's so awesome, man. Like, <laughs> thank you so much for, um, you know, taking the time to meet with me today. No, man, I'm glad that you came. I'm glad I you here, love so. interviewing people like you because you play such an important role, an underrated <laughs> role in the entire industry, man. For real. Appreciate it. And that's a shout out to anybody else. That does something like Charles here because lots of us. With, yeah, there's lots, <laughs> yeah. hundreds of thousands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I want to acknowledge everybody as well that is that has had to go through tough times this mm-hmm. year without the music industry, artists, and and everyone else behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. We'll be back, and uh, it'll be amazing when we come back, and we look forward to having. You yeah, know, you think the energy is going to be better than ever when we come oh, back? Oh, absolutely. Those sh- the t- shows are going to happen. Just, like, just all going to be sold out. <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's, I'm excited for that feeling again of just like starting a show, you know. So yeah. I'm sure uh, people in the audience are gonna be way more excited than I am, but it'll be awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, man. What if a Michael McDonald comes to town though? I don't think I'll show my face. In Come a on. McDonald what if he hits you up? What if what if what if Prince told him years ago? He goes, "Hey, I got this guy. Okay, if you ever come to Chicago, you let me know. You gotta go hang out. With Shout out to Michael McDonald." <laughs> I like how he's the subject of this now. <laughs> you brought up Michael McDonald, man. I can't drop it. It's too funny. It's just so random. <laughs> it is. Charles, thank you again, man. I want to just just appreciate what you do here, man. Oh, this man. is really cool. I'm going to be in touch yeah. soon. I got some ideas, like I said. Awesome, man. Let's figure it out. This is awesome. Thank <laughs> cool, you, Cool, man. No problem. Appreciate we'll go, it. Let me go check the recording. Hell yeah. Good, that was awesome, man. That was great.